This episode is dedicated to Kyle T. Hamilton. Is this thing on? Oh, okay, cool. Hey, my name's Enid, and uh, I just wanted to catch you up on where the McCalls left off. It's been a while since you've heard from me, my brother Boot, and my grandma, uh, Ma, otherwise known as Gretchen. Uh, but, you know, where we left off is, well, we were going on a hunting trip, tracking some werewolves, as we are known to do. But then uh, Boot found himself in a portal, and... We found ourselves a temple, a bunch of dead people, and a bunch of weird-looking bugs. So we decided to try and figure out where these bugs were coming from and where they were taking some of the prisoners, because there were some people that were alive, and we saw them taking them through some holes, and that was crazy. Uh, But we ended up tracking them into our own world, and, uh, you know, some crazy stuff started happening after that. Uh, We found a cabin where... Ma told us that she had a pact with the demon. I don't think she told us who it was, but uh, that was pretty disappointing. She got a really cool whip out of it. Uh, I got some peaches, so, you know, that kind of makes up for the crippling disappointment. But, uh, <laughs> you know, and then we continued to track the ants a little further. Or the, I think they were ants that kind of looked like ants. But then we followed the ants even more, and we came across a... Uh, a big old, you know, wasp hive, beehive thing, and Boot got stung a lot, and I got to put my peaches on him, because I told him it was going to help with the stings, but it, it weren't going to do nothing, he just looked ridiculous for a couple of seconds, you know how it is with brothers and sisters, um, and then we continued to track the ants, but then we found some spiders, the spiders were following us, and Ma told us to follow the spiders, and we agreed, um, so we followed the spiders up into the mountains and we came across a big old spider who was really scary and boot crapped his pants. It was super funny. Um, but he introduced us to where the bugs are coming from, some crazy man named Terrence. And he said that he would, you know, help us out if we would help him out because Terrence was creating all these bugs and he took, you know, all the spider jobs and all the spider places and drove him into this little itty bitty place so now we know who we're looking for and that's where we've left off and uh i hope you enjoy the show And so we rejoin our party, following behind an arrow made of tiny spiders that is progressing at a a remarkably quick pace along the floor of this cavern passageway. Andy, can I, can I, can I break the fourth wall like immediately? Yeah. Last time I got some, I had gotten some leather bracers. Yeah. And I think you said you were going to tell me about them later. Are, are, is there going to be something that happens? Can I find out about those bracers? Or are, is there something happening? Does something need to happen, like, uh, narratively? Do we, do, we need to, do we need to do something mechanically to find out stuff? Are you saying that you would like to investigate your bracers as you follow the spiders? Andy... I would like to investigate those bracers that I got <laughs> as we follow the spiders. Narratively, what you're saying is you're dicking around with the bracers um, and uh, and trying to figure out what they do. And um, what you are quickly able to determine as you um, you're doing exactly that. You're flexing. You know, you've got uh, you put the bracers on and you're and you're like doing like Wonder Woman poses like you would block things. You know what I mean? And then you're pulling your bow and you do find that for whatever reason, as soon as you pull the bow, you are able to pull that bow back farther and more stoutly than you ever pulled it back before. It makes you feel like if you let that arrow go, you would just do damage beyond what you have ever been able to do before. Might actually hit something. Yeah, they don't help. They don't help your aim. Uh, they are plus two bonus to damage rolls. Mm-hmm. These are bracers of archery. Ooh. 
Poop, would you quit digging around and pay attention? Hey, check it. Check. You're gonna be tripping over your own feet if you don't step it up. Check it out. Mm, looking good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Man, my braces are pretty. Will you stop? I gotta find. I gotta find braces of archery now. So, like, <laughs> are they special? What do they do? Um. Well, uh, ooh. Sorry, D&D Beyond has a picture of them. They look really cool. <laughs> um, uh, I'll show you what they do here. Uh, pull. You want me to throw something in the pull air? What? I don't yeah. understand. Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm, a, I'm just throw like a really flat-ish rock up in the air. You throw a really flat rock up in the air, and it immediately down and slams into your shield. I told you guys not to be digging around in here. I was gonna, I was gonna show off how they do. They make me better at shooting my bow. Wait, what do you mean it jerks back down straight into my shield? I mean, you toss the rock up in the air, and it uh, goes up about four or five feet, and then it cuts a hard diagonal left down and slams into the shield that you're holding on your other arm. Let me try something. Why'd it do that? I, I want to grab a rock, and I'm going to toss it behind us. You... <laughs> When you turn around and face exactly the opposite direction and, and toss a stone, nothing I, happens. Like, okay. I mean, yeah. Cause you're, yeah, when you're facing 180 degrees the other direction, throwing away from your party, nothing happens. All right, that's good to know, though. Is it like still on my shield, or did it just like bounce off? It banged into your shield and fell down. Oh, am I just like trying to think this is more magical than it really is? Like literally, I just threw it up in the air and it fell down. Okay. I would like to grab the rock that I had just thrown the other way. Oh yeah. And I would like to. I'm gonna face. I'm gonna face Enid, and I'm just gonna drop it while facing her. <laughs> it it curves towards Enid uh, as you drop it, and it doesn't get to her, but it definitely curves towards Enid as okay. you drop this. All right, hold on, hold on. Hey, Ma, one, uh, one, hey, uh, Enid, back up just a little bit. Back up just a little bit. Boot scooting boogie backers. All right, I'm going to stand in front of, uh, squat down, Enid. Squat down. I'm already pretty squat. How much squatter you want me to be? Okay, all right. That, that No, that's fair. That's fair. All right, I'm going to stand in front of Enid. I'm going to take my hand axe. I'm going to kind of hold it up over my shoulder. Ma, drop another rock. <laughs> all right, I'll see what I can do. Ma, instead of just dropping a rock, I think she's going to kind of wind up. She's going to step forward and just launch a pitch yeah so so ma launches this pitch that's way outside the strike zone but then it hooks around hard to the right and slams into a shield like one of the greatest curveballs that's ever been thrown okay that was definitely a ball um i would like to then investigate my shield and figure out what it is because that's pretty uh strange. Pull up the details. Yes. So you play with this shield for a while and dink around with it. And it's a pretty darn good shield. In fact, you're gonna get a plus two bonus to your AC against ranged attacks while you wield the shield, and that's in addition to your normal uh, shield bonus to AC. So you get plus two to AC above what you just normally walk around with if someone uses a ranged attack with you. Whenever anyone makes an attack against a target within five feet of you, you can use your reaction to become the target of the attack instead. Holy shit. What's it called? This is the arrow catching shield. Woohoo. Anything within about five feet of the shield is going to bend towards it. I am so proud. I never thought I'd see the day when you get your first magic items. It, it's been a long time coming. Oh, I, little Enid getting a shield and Boop getting some getting some bracers. I think that like may look uh, stronger. You know what I'm saying? I, you, you you do. You look like a like you're all grown up. Now, did I ever tell you about my first magic items? Uh, I don't. I don't think so. They were slippers. And they allow, they allowed me to sneak around all quiet, so I could, you know, I could just walk around. I I lost them when I moved, of course, but it was fun having them. You know, I could always sneak out when I was younger. I I, I used to get around. 
not what? like in not in a weird way, but like I mean, like I, in I, other I entities like, type of way. I would just like sneak out and you know go mm-hmm. go to the local watering hole and have myself a good old time, play some pool, blackjack, poker, make deals with devils. You don't need to bring that up. Okay, um, I'm sorry, Mo. No, I'm sorry, Boo. You're right. I made a mistake, and it's something I have to deal with and live with. Well, we're going to fix it one way or another. Eventually. Eventually. If we can. We will. We'll fix it. As you wrap up this conversation, the spiders, and these are just essentially normal size, sort of wolf size spiders, you know, that we would see. Uh, they, they're they're formed up pretty much in an arrow, kind of leading the way, and they lead you out. You've gone past a couple little side passageways in this, uh, you know, it's a sort of a cave passageway. It's fairly narrow, just a couple feet wide, uh, and totally dark, only about six feet tall or so. But is the only one who's anywhere close to that tall. You guys emerge from this t- uh, tiny passageway into a large open space, and at first you pull up for a moment because what you see in this space is a house and again the, the cavern goes goes well beyond this but the first thing you see as you uh, move out of the space out of the passageway into the cavern is a tin roof house a front porch um, you know a, a little railing across the front there's a, a pair of rocking chairs and there are two bodies sitting in the rocking chairs and they are wrapped completely in webbing. So they almost look like mummies that have been mummified and sat down in these rocking chairs. And more strangely, there is a dog that is also wrapped in webbing that is standing in front of the porch with its head down into a bowl that looks like it would hold water, but it's long dry. And the, the... spiders just kind of weave off to the right of this little one. It's kind of similar to the cabin you guys passed as you followed the path across the prairie. But the the spiders just kind of weave off to the right and around the corner and continue on past this house. Y'all be real careful. I don't I don't trust like that. I was gonna say as we're walking by or we're walking near it, Boo's gonna be hey Hey, that's a good, good boy. He's a good boy. <laughs> hey, he's a good, he's a good boy. Can I do like a, a general in, insight or investigation check to get get like the, the vibe of this? Does it look like they just ate here, or is this like an ominous sign? Oh yeah, yeah. Roll me like an investigation check as you kind of walk by this this house. Okay, it's an eighteen plus. Uh. What? 19. This reminds Ma of what her friend called a museum years and years and years ago when she went to one of the large cities, one of the big cities, you know? Um, There is no way that dog died with its head in a bowl and got wrapped in webbing. You know, this looks like it, the, the way it strikes Ma is, this is taxidermy. This looks like taxidermy, you know? And um, as you kind of peek through the windows of the house as you go by, it's totally empty on the inside. It looks like something that would be in a theatrical uh, performance. You know what I mean? Where it's clearly, it's just enough to give the impression of real life when you look at it. But it's it's just you know, hollow purely for uh, being looked at from the outside. All right. Come around the corner of the house following the spiders and up ahead, you see a barn raising in progress. There's uh, two sides of a barn are standing up with cross beams holding them up and a half dozen uh, corpses wrapped in webbing are pushing the barn wall up as if they're doing a barn raising. And there's another one up on top, and it's just like this picture frozen in time of a barn raising, except all of the bodies are wrapped in webbing and twisted to be in their positions that you're seeing now. 
off to the left, uh, as you move on, your dark vision starts to make out shapes. You see a town fair. There's uh, there's there's kids running, and they're all just frozen in place. Uh, there's uh, there are uh, grown-ups dancing in a circle, and you look off to the right, and you see this uh, uh, dramatic battle with uh, there's a suit of armor that's got webs kind of wrapped around it, kind of mostly holding it. You can still very much tell it's a suit of armor, and it's doing battle with a beast, but you can't help but but be pretty certain that the beast is a cow that has been twisted and webbed to try to look like something bigger and more impressive than what it was. So you're, you're now at this point in the middle of this cavern, and you're surrounded by the fair, the back of the house the barn raising the battle with the quote-unquote monster what kind of monster is that i I think it's what the spiders just view as a monster it this seems like like some type of art installation or you know like when we're gonna go we're gonna go up into the mountains but we're kind of by town so you have to like stop at one of those centers at the bottom of the mountain and you go inside and they got like bears and stuff that are stuffed and uh you know. Oh yeah. I feel like this is the spider's version of doing something like that. Is this like is this like his version of model trains? Like, <laughs> like is it like his dollhouse? Like his <laughs> he doesn't have he like he doesn't have Sims, but he comes in here and is like, Oh, you look very nice today. Oh yeah. Oh, let's have some sweet tea on the porch. <laughs> <laughs> Mmm, taxes. You mean like you used to play with uh, dolls when you was little? Uh, that, hey, ain't it? I don't know how many times I got. They are action figures. All right. They it's are okay figures. if they're dolls. They, no, no, they're not. They're not. They are figures for action. Ain't it? Stop teasing your brother about his dolls. How many? <laughs> how many? Jo- how, how many dolls do Geo Chop? I, I don't know how many times we have, I have said. How many? Your, can your dog do a jitter chop? My dog has a button that does jitter chop. I mean, that's all I'm saying. I thought you were saying jitter talk. I was like, that's exactly <laughs> what I've been talking about this whole time. <laughs> but you were saying judo chop. Jitter. Oh, yeah. Jitter talk. I never saw him do it once, but I saw you make them make out with each other all the time. Hey. <clears throat> I don't know what you're talking about. You're talking crazy. <laughs> I used to have back when I was a kid. I had a Jitter Talk Instant Messenger name. <laughs> what well, What was your name? Go ahead and say it. It was uh, Big Wolf Sixty Nine. <laughs> <laughs> Did you used to go in chat rooms and catfish werewolves? That's how you found them all the time back then, huh? Hey man, little dwarfs got to do what little dwarfs got to do. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Get her done. You know what? You could have been, you could have been doing a lot worse on a speaking sound. So, you guys are talking and walking, and the spider guides are moving very directly. They know exactly where they're going, and they are moving as as in much as much of a straight line as they can, going around the uh, display pieces that you pass, and they uh, they go around the. Um, the the back of the um, of the barn, you see uh, what looks like a romantic date off to your left, and there's um there's no water. There's just a boat sitting on the ground, and there is a, a woman. in the gown, as you look, is not even a gown. It's just web. And then there is another corpse wrapped in webbing with a ukulele webbed into its hand and they're both inside the boat and the spiders head straight for the boat and they hook around it and they continue on directly in the way that they were uh and then they stop and they are pointed ahead right at um a scene that is a duel and there are two corpses that are um facing each other wrapped in webbing, frozen in place, and they both have rapiers up in their right hands uh, pointed towards each other as if uh, you know a fencing match is about to begin. And they're both standing in front of a large tree, and the spiders just stop 
and they stand there, and then they scatter in all directions. Can I make an insight check? Yeah. Let's see what these spiders been up to. Is a nine going to do me anything? You, you can't tell anything about it. You're just like, these spiders, just they were all moving. Straight line, you guys were going to, it looked like they were going to go right between the two wow. people dueling. Uh, and But then all of a sudden they stopped. And then they just went every direction. There's just spiders running everywhere. I don't know why I trusted a bunch of insects. <sighs> you, uh, you, you guys think we should check forward? But use some of that tracking skills you learned in the in the dwarven army. Alright. Um I'm gonna do I'm gonna do what I always do. Get up on the tree. Andy Boots gonna walk over and try to scurry up that there tree. Okay. Uh roll me roll me an athletics check. Four. Four? Four. You you head straight over to the tree. And you just get your hands on the bark and look up into the branches. When you stop and ask yourself, why is there a huge leafy tree in a cave? (laughs) And that's when one of the branches comes crashing down and uh, slams right next to you. Fortunately, you have that thought just as this tree limb slams down against the trunk at your trying to uh, <laughs> climb uh, the smaller branches pushing you aside before the thickest of the branches can smash you and squish you like a grape and let us let us roll initiative boot don't you climb that tree would dwarf that played with dolls be able to move like that I don't think so Enid uh, snaps out of her trance she was uh, staring longingly back at the romance uh, scene <laughs> and then she just sees Boots say something stupid or do something stupid and she snaps out of it to laugh at him and she rolls a 17 for initiative. 17, <laughs> very nice. Ma, what'd you roll? Um, Ma got a 10. My back's starting to bother me. Alright, and then Boot, what'd you roll? <sighs> Boot got a 5. Boot got a 5. Alright. Boot got a 5. All right, Enid, you see the limb slam down and narrowly miss Boot as he rolls away. And uh, you also realize that uh, this is not a place that you would see a big tree in any sort of normal circumstance. And as the tree swing its limbs around uh, and its roots uh, creep forward like octopus tentacles, you have a decision to make. What are you going to do? Um, is there any sort of opening for me to get kind of close to it? And how far away from it am I at this point in time? So, so boot, Boots moved up. You're about 30 feet away. In between, um, in between you and the tree, you, uh, you've got the two dueling corpses. Uh, that's, uh, that's about 15 feet in front of the tree, so about halfway. And then you could also move off to the left, and you would be over near, uh, the, um, the love boat and that's 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 pretty much all that you can see in the cavern the cavern seems to be moving uh to a close you know what i mean like like it's it hits you're past its widest point and it is narrowing back down towards what you assumed you were moving towards as the exit from this uh, large cavern all right well i'm fighting against a tree i never thought that all that time of Doing chores of wood chopping would come back to bite me. This this shows you, Ma, all the times I tried to get out of it. I was just looking out for myself. You're still not going to get out of it. I was just looking out it for just... myself. You never know when a tree's going to come to life and try to kill you, so I'm going to go you up You keep to... talking like that. I'm going to make you take every log you chop down from this tree back up with you. All right, but I'm just saying. Anyway, she's going to kind of charge up to it and... uh yeah, whack it. Just run up, run up there and pound at it. All right, cool. Roll me a tech roll. Ain't a very direct dwarf and woman. She knows what she wants. She gets it. I got a fourteen. That does hit. Ooh, That will be a ten damage. Mm, that's pretty. That's pretty impressive. Hunk of bark goes flying away. 
from Enid's axe. I mean, it's like I was made for this. All right, Ma, it's your turn. Ma, um, I'm gonna move. What's the closest kind of cover I can get to this tree? Would you say the boat? Yeah. Well, you've got you've got the boat, and then there's also the barn raising behind you. So you could kind of mm. use some of the, uh, you know, you could take up a position, kind of hugging the wall of the of the barn that's going up if you wanted to. You'd be you'd be falling back a little bit, but you probably only be about forty five feet from the tree. Uh, I'm gonna stay with the boat. It kind of crouched down by the boat. Okay. And uh, well, if if the tree's underground. Well, it's not going to get fallen by lightning unless someone helps it, so I'm going to cast Witch Bolt. All right. And see if I hit it. Does an 11 hit? Uh, it does not. Dang. Well, then that was a waste of that spell. And that's my turn. The tree uh, pulls back, and as the, as the, as the leaves flay, uh, are whipped through the still air of the cavern, and then again... This uh, two of the huge tree limbs come right down, and this time they're angled uh, angled for the pesky dwarf who has been hacking at them with her axe. But Anid, like her brother, is able to avoid the falling tree limbs. <laughs> As you start to celebrate, you hear, and from deeper in the cavern you start to see uh, some swaying of branches as well. And the, the outline of the figure sort of emerging at the end of your vision is not another tree. It's, um, it's almost like a, it moves with that same type of swagger, and it does have leaves, but it's much more of a, a gangly, ropey gait. And in a full run, you see this uh, this figure kind of emerging from the darkness, and it is going to draw back one of its long whip-like arms and it is going to let fly the largest thorn that you uh, that you have ever seen as the as the as the whip-like arm comes forward this thorn detaches and you hear it whip whistling towards the party and unfortunately ma you are going to feel the of this thorn as it uh as it smacks into your dress and you're going to take three points of piercing damage Oof. all right i see how it's going to be boot it is your turn you just saw ma got hit by this uh by this vine blight that's uh that's moving towards you all right all right andy i think i i think i got your game figured out here right we got scenes here with the dead things, probably bullywugs, right? It's either like some sort of like scenes from Big Fish starring Ewan McGregor, or you got like the boat things like Little Mermaid, I don't know, something like that. And you got this Wampin' Willow thing, so now you got me thinking like maybe they're all different scenes from Harry Potter, like the fair thing, maybe it's like the Quidditch World Cup, the barn raising, maybe it's like the wedding. So, Boot is going to try and find a root that might deactivate this tree. <laughs> like it's G-Spot? <laughs> Aided, what did I tell you about talking about trees G-Spots? I don't know if he knows how to find it, Ma. I'm going to help him out. Don't help your brother find the G-spot, please. Especially oh. not while I'm around. I'm gonna have this. Uh, I'm gonna have this tree crawling out of trees. Oh Lord! Oh Lord! <laughs> Mercy me! So uh, <laughs> I gotta roll for a heart attack. <laughs> Ma, don't look. Um, so can I? <laughs> I guess you were doing worse things on your sanded stone. On his dolls, I'm telling you. Never actually figured. He found the so, GI Joe spot. So, <laughs> Andy, can I roll an investigation check to try and find a special route? You know, the yellow tooth, as it were. 
You can um, yes, you can you can definitely roll to see if there's something like that that sticks out. And if you didn't plan on making a special route that deactivates this womp and willow, <laughs> I'm asking you to consider it right now. <laughs> investigation <laughs> all right that's a 17 total yeah yeah there's uh there's um i should have had you i should have had you probably roll a nature check there. in that case it would be a 15 okay cool now let's just do that so um so yeah this um you, you don't see anything that looks like any sort of deactivate it doesn't look like there'd be a trap or anything like that these are um these are <laughs> abnormal creatures that you have not seen before uh <laughs> In they do kind of, if you think about it in the right way, they do kind of make sense. If you have giant insects uh, that are incredibly violent and aggressive, wouldn't you have giant plants that would also be violent and aggressive? That definitely makes sense. That definitely oh, makes sense. Everything's bigger down here. All right. <laughs> Let's do this. Um, Andy, what, what, uh, mechanically that investigation check, what would you, was that a, a free action? I, action? Like a bonus action. I would just say that's just a, that's just you looking at the thing. Yeah. I, okay. I don't think you ran up and poked and prodded. <sighs> I hope, I hope some of that is usable. That was so funny. <laughs> <sighs> All right. All right. Boot is now gonna. Um, I'm right up on the. I'm right up on this boy, right. So if I shot my bow, it would be a disadvantage because I'm in melee range. Is that how that works? You would have to. Um, well, he's. I would say that he's pretty engaged with Enid. If you wanted to move back, I would. I would probably. I probably wouldn't count that as a disengagement. Okay. I guess what I could say is because he surprise attacked you. Yeah, I would say that he's fully focused on Enid hacking away at him. If you wanted to drop away from him, I would I would let you do that. Nice. Yeah, for now, let's do that. Yeah, let's drop back a little bit. Um, I'm going to... Uh, oh, you said the investigation was a bonus action. All right, so no hunters mark this round. Um, I am going to pull off the bow off the shoulder, notch an arrow, and just shoot the tree with an arrow that makes sense that should hurt it yeah yeah i'm gonna say so yeah all right it's gonna be a 23 to hit you definitely hit it five damage all right you you uh you launch your arrow into the tree you feel real good because those bracers really do work and you can feel that plus two damage as the arrow thunks into the tree, you can't help but feeling a bit dumb for shooting an arrow into a tree. Um, so it, seven damage. Uh, it, it would. You feel like you're like, man, that would be like seven damage, but the tree doesn't appear to have felt seven damage. <laughs> The tree appears to have felt about maybe half that. <sighs> and you that think maybe really cool piercing, my head. piercing damage on a tree might not be the best strategy. I mean, <laughs> if that was a bug, that would have been really cool. I'm just saying. All right. And it is your turn. All right. And you see Boots' arrow thunk into the tree. If that ain't a metaphor, I don't know what is. Mm, I'm, well, first of all, I would like to rage. All right. If that is all right with you. Sure. And then I am going to... Um, I'm just going to whack him. Whack him. Yeah. That was an 18 to hit. That definitely is. Awesome. And that is a 12 total. Nice. This tree is looking is looking a bit unstable, having taken some big Enid axe blows around the trunk. Quite impressive. Ma, it's your turn. You're watching Enid 
go to town on this tree. Boot just shot an arrow into it for fairly minimal effect, and you are uh, aware of the vine creature that has emerged to fling needles at you. All right. My light strike didn't work, so I'm going to have to try a different type of fire bending. Uh, I'm going to run up to it. Is there a way that I can angle it so that the kind of the the vine creature is within 30 feet of it but behind it yeah yeah if you if you head off to the right then you'll be you would be able to line them up like that all right i want to get about 10 feet how if i'm 10 feet from the tree Mm -hmm. what can i hit would i be 30 feet from the the vine creature creature? yeah yeah it was it, it used its turn to move into the into the sort of into into the area of effect and uh and then hurl its needle at you so so yeah i would say they're that close what about 15 feet because i had the range wrong so i would say it's probably depending on where you go i would say that the um the vine uh, the the blight and the tree are about 20 feet apart and then you would be wherever you are relative to that mm. you know what let's just focus damage on this tree so i'm gonna go ahead and i'm going to put my hands together and cast uh burning hands Ooh. say don't tell the warden i don't have a permit for this <laughs> oh very nice and the tree has to make a dexterity saving throw oh trees are known for their dexterity uh a seven on dexterity. Seven is the awakened tree. It's not gonna do it. Ma, you always you always told us only only you could prevent forest fires because you were the only one within a certain radius that had any sort of spells that could extinguish fire. Yeah. Uh, so only it, you could prevent forest fires. And also, like, only I'm allowed to set trees on fire. So let's just keep oh, those okay. rules go. That, well, that I, don't make sense. I prevented them by not putting them on fire. That makes sense. That makes sense. It don't. But okay. eleven damage. All right. The uh, the limbs and leaves flare up, catching fire. And uh, half the tree is quickly burning. The tree is swinging and flailing its limbs around and is now trying to slap them on the ground to put the leaves out. And this tree is very quickly being consumed by the flames that you've thrown up into its, um, into its, uh, into its, its canopy. All right. All right. It's still very uh, preoccupied with Enid and her axe uh, and flailing around as it does. Still on fire, uh, hugely ineffective in squishing Enid. She's much quicker than uh, you'd expect for a dwarven lady, and the, the tree is not able to squash her. The, uh, the needle blight, however, is going to fling another... Um, needle at Ma, and it is going to be... Another one? It is going to be 16 to AC. That's going to hit. Ah, and you are going to take six... Well, wait, nope. Yep. Six points of piercing damage from these flying needles. And the... um, And the the viney needle creature, uh, or uh, needle blight, continues to move towards you and is about 10 feet away, and it's kind of moved over towards the rowboat mm-hmm. to uh, almost to try to flank you guys and get a cross-fire pattern on you. Mm. All right. Um, Boot, it's your turn. Boot. Um, I'm going to be fairly useless versus most things I feel like we're fighting right now. But I have some shenanigans that I would like to try. Shenanigans. <laughs> It's my favorite restaurant. <laughs> Shenanigans? Yeah, with all um, the crazy shit on the walls. I'm gonna get my torch back out because I still have I still have some torches. Wait, did I only have one torch? Wait, what, what's that number right there? Quantity ten. Oh, I have ten torches. Okay, which means I have nine torches because Ma dropped one down the ravine. Okay. Um, I take out one of my torches. I'm gonna light it. How how far away is Needle Boy? 
Uh, he's about 15 feet, uh, 15 feet from you over at the, uh, at the romance scene. He's, uh, ducking behind the boat that has the, uh, the gown and the ukulele corpses in it. All right. I'm going to run up to the blight and I'm going to be like, shana, nana, nana, kiss the torch. And I'm going to try and, uh, light this boy on fire. All right, roll me a uh, roll me a, a melee attack, please. That was a, I, I don't know what to add to it, but that was just a fifteen on the dice. That that totally works. You smash oh, the um, you smash the torch into his face. Now this is not strict D and D and D torch damage. I'm gonna let you roll a D six uh, right. to see what you can do with your torch. Five. Five points of damage. Uh, this needle blight catches on fire. His uh, his uh, arms, uh, the little the little fibrous hairs that are coming off of him are quickly lighting up, and the flame is moving from one to another. And he's uh, and he is flailing around and trying to put it out, but very quickly he is uh, he's mostly engulfed in flame. Enid, it's your turn. All right. I've got an earworm now. Keep thinking about, you know, that folk song. Talking about kiss the girl. Thank you, Boot. Uh, so I'm just gonna continue my, my whack attack upon, upon said tree. All right. I rolled a uh, 17. That hits for sure. <laughs> and that will be that's another 12 with this the uh the the top half of the tree still flailing around as it burns and the canopy is is just a, a an enormous torch in this underground cavern it actually flails as enid chops into the, the point that it creates enough stress right at the point of impact that the tree snaps and you hear a crack and then the top half of the tree falls over, uh, still attached, but swings around and slams up against its own trunk. Now just folded over, burning in uh, an enormous fire. And as you look up and look around and you can see how... Um, you can see the the surrounding diorama display in a level of fakeness you couldn't before. When it was in the shadows, it looked much more complete. Now you can really see that there's uh, there's no backs to to buildings. The the boat is only even half of a boat. Everything was made to be seen in low light and dim and shadow. And you can see the entire cavern. Uh, you see some of the small spiders scampering up the uh the fake buildings and over the corpses and things that are wrapped in webbing you can clearly see up ahead uh the uh the exit to the cavern that the spiders were leading you towards and mm. you see this uh this um this vine creature that's uh that's about 75 percent engulfed in flame flailing around as boot ducks in and out kind of like the old uh frankenstein monster defense using the torch to to fend it away and so that is that is what you see are you gonna use any movement or are you done uh i believe i so the the tree is um failed yep all right so i'm just gonna say daggone timber and then i'm gonna um run over to assist uh in in you also destroying that thing cool you head towards the towards the romance scene where boo where boot is flailing around with his torch ma what are you doing with this as the whole cavern lights up and uh and um and boot fights the uh the last remaining monster uh, i think i'm just gonna go ahead and uh Aim my wooden spoon at that monster and cast an Eldritch Blast trying to help boot out. Sounds good. That's a 13. That is going to hit it. That will hit. Awesome. And that's going to be 1d10 plus nothing. 
That's going to be five damage. All right, tell me about how this Eldritch Blast finishes off our flaming plant friend. Ah, so as it's burning, I think it kind of, you know, there's a little chunk that's still not on fire, and that's where I'm going to aim right at. And I think as I as I blast it away, what's left is just engulfed in flames as it kind of, you know, burns up to ashes. All right. With that, the uh, the the smaller vine creature kind of burns down to embers. But this uh, this awakened tree is just it's going to burn for for a day, you know, at least. And so you guys are now standing in this well lit cavern. The spiders do not appear to be returning to lead you further. You're reminded that Scaramar said they would take you as far as they felt safe, and they have obviously reached that point. Um, and so you guys are now alone, looking towards the far end of the cavern, and there appears to be a door, a wooden door, um, filling that uh, cavern exit. Well, you guys think we should continue on? Don't look like there's nothing in here really worth taking. Yeah, no. Doesn't look like. I would like to take that dog. <sighs> Don't leave, no. leave that dog. That dog's long gone. All right, I'll leave it. But it will, I, it will stay in my heart forever. That poor puppy. Be a nice little reminder, Coder. You know. Yeah. Oh. It would. I always love Coder. <sighs> All right, he's a good boy. But uh, who, who, we, who, we going through this door? I think we should go ahead through this door. I think so too. All right, I'll go take a. I'll go take a little pixie. Um, open on, open on up. So, boot you uh, reach for the handle, and it is sort of a circular handle, and it turns easily, and it opens, and you are now looking into a, um, into a well lit, well maintained stone corridor. This is not a cavernous passageway. It's a stone corridor. I'm going to send you guys a picture real quick, so hold on. All right. Oh, yeah. This this does not look like cave. This looks like um, like almost like a sort of a dungeon-type passageway. It's stone, but it has been carved. It is immaculately clean. And it is well lit by this magical light from overhead. Off to the left, you see a door that says facilities. Across the hall, you see a door that says uh, do not enter, employees only. And you notice that the door you uh, you are coming out of says do not enter, employees only. To the right... The passage runs about a hundred feet, and there is a door that says accounting. Anybody know what accounting means? I mean, I've only heard it said out loud, you know, like, I'm going to the store on account and I'm out of milk. Yeah, like, is it a room where you count stuff? Is there treasure in there? Account, there could be treasure in there. Are Are they counting coins or something? It could be, it could be like, you know, one of them vampires, you know, a Count Dracula. Oh. Oh. It could be a Count Dracula in there. I don't want to mess with no Draculas. Yeah, me either. Let's, let's just not go in there. That's a scary room. No. Boo. You, it could, it could be treasure though. You up for, uh, you up for being a scout again? Yeah, I mean, we haven't gotten to, like, really hunt something in any while, so, I mean, I doubt it's a vampire, but if it is, maybe I get to, like, shoot something. You know what I'm saying? What are you talking about? We just fought two big old tree creatures, and then before that, we fought a weird baby monster. I mean, to be fair, that a lot... Or maybe I just did it. That last fight was more just yard work. Yeah, like, we haven't got to, like, kill something. You know, like, hitting a tree, to, and don't know, it just don't do it for me. Well, I mean, there was the baby monster and the the bugs. It was an adult monster. It just had a baby with it. But, but do you still... Right. I, I, but there was a baby in the mouth, but, I mean, as far as I recall, I did most of that, too. I just don't want word getting out that we're killing baby monsters. Cover my back. 
<laughs> Boots gonna walk up as they're talking about baby monsters versus killing adult a, a monster that has a baby on it. Where, which way are you going? You go into the the do not enter door, the facilities door, or down to accounting? I'm going down to accounting. Sorry, sorry. All right, you start walking down the pathway to accounting. It's about 120 feet. After about 60 feet, you just feel the world explode around you, and you are rocked by this just bone deep cold for just a moment, and then you're fine. Hmm. That was terrible, and it got better. What do we see? You, you, um, you, you remember that. This that was extremely similar to what happened when you saw the normies and crossed through that tear in the plains to get to the church. Remember when you guys ran up to the church and ran back? You okay. had that a very very similar feeling when you stepped into the normie world. Hmm. Oh, does it still look like a dark passageway or like where it says accounting? For me? Yeah, the, the door looks a bit different. What it looked like, sort of a, a wooden door, uh, now it looks like a gray iron door with a strange, um, with a strange bent handle that, uh, that sticks horizontally. You know those, uh, you know those, you know the, the classic, like, off, you know the office building handles that are just, they come out and they turn left and, and you, just, you yeah. just push them down and they swing down? It's, it's that handle, but of course, Boots never yeah. seen it before. They're all, they're all broken because everyone slams it as hard as they possibly can. Yeah. That's it. It's that. And this is probably broken because everyone slams it as hard as they can. Yeah, Boots going to walk up and open the door. All right. You, the door swings open. And Boot is surrounded by sounds that he has not heard before. There are just ring, 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 and uh, there are these. Um, like a weird farm in here. Yeah, essentially, Boot is standing in the back office of an accounting firm near Table Rock, North Carolina. There are uh, a half dozen cubicles uh, that are lined up. There is a passageway that leads to the back. There is a door and uh, leading into an office that can be visualized through glass, uh, a big glass uh, window that looks into the office. There are blinds that are hanging down and they are open and you can see a woman inside behind the desk um, uh, holding up uh, her cell phone and talking. Uh, the cubicles appear to be empty. Uh, the, the, the cubicle, from what you can say, they appear to be empty. Um, you do hear some typing, and so you hear phones ringing, but you don't hear them being answered. Um, and and uh, you look the other way, and you see big glass mirrors, and boot your head almost explodes because you see the um, you see the normie uh, cars going by and granted you've only ever seen them as outlines like these sort of ephemeral outlines but now they are red and blue and green and you're seeing trucks and you're seeing sedans and you're seeing minivans uh and so he's looking out the right and you see out the front of the accounting firm and uh you're looking to the back and you see the woman at the desk in her office with the door closed and the cubicle farm uh, is uh, is kind of all around you, and there's about a half dozen cubicles. So she's in an office. Is there a name on the door? Yes, the name. The name on the door. It says Angela Watkins. I don't know if that's relevant, but I'm writing it down. <laughs> I wonder if she goes by Angie. Oh, oh, oh. I wonder if she has any lists available. Do you guys think I should? Do you guys think I should come back, or or do you think I'm good to go talk to her? That's up to you. We don't know what's going on. <sighs> what would Boot do? Boot's pretty. It's just one. I don't need no help. I can talk to him. All right. I think Boot would. Boot would just. He would see one person. He's in a weird place. He's. We know where I. Boot knows he's in the normal world. Yeah. Yeah. 
Because we, we, you said it was experience we had before. The experience he had before going into the normal world and then looking out the front window of the accounting building and seeing traffic in the small town street in front of the building. Uh, yeah, he, like right. he, he's not in Kansas anymore. All right, all right. Here's the thing Boo would do. He's not going to – he doesn't want to like walk into the room any more than he already is. He doesn't really want to walk back. So he's going to look over at uh, who he assumes is Angela Watkins. He's going to go, hey, hey, you, hey. She puts, she, puts her, she puts her cell phone down, like covers it with her hand, you know, like, and she looks at you and goes, and she gives you the, like, the come in. And not like, she doesn't seem particularly surprised to see you. It's more like, um, like when you, say, wave at the manager and the manager, like, gives you permission to come into their office. She kind of oh, yeah. gives that. That four-fingered wave of, <laughs> and 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 then, and then she goes, and then she's back on the phone, and she she literally turns her back to you, um, and let me paint the picture here too. Uh, Boot is a dwarf, and uh, he has a, a longbow, and a quiver of arrows, <laughs> and she gave you the come in, and then turned around to finish her call. Do, do, do you still have your torch, Boot? You do I still have, have torch. I have, I have eight. Yeah, I do actually. Uh, uh, I'm gonna look back. If I if I poke my head back outside, does Ma and Enid see me? Um, you um no. Or okay. I'm trying to remember what what canon is. I think canon is no. Wait, oh. I, when we looked through, we could see it was like a doorway when we were looking at the ants because we could see into the normie world. Oh. Right. So then the answer is yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. That's yeah. That is that is true. Because when you look straight through the passageway, you could see them. Yeah. Oh, we did the thing where it was like, uh, when you okay. So so here here's my response. The same thing happened when um, when Jay Lachey went into the passageway and the other guys were behind him. Is as as Enid and Ma were watching, Boots seemed to jump forward about six inches and slightly mm-hmm. off to the side, and then he was just there. Kind of like there was like a glitch in the matrix and, and boot reappeared. But yes, they can see boot. It's just, he's, he just kind of, they kind of lost him for just a moment. Was he rebooted? <laughs> let's cut that. Oh, let's cut that out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's, we'll mark that. That was a, uh, a boot small. <laughs> this is all cutting room floor right here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> hey, that's where the meat gets made. All right. All right. Uh, Boots just going to poke his head back out. He's going to look at Ma and Eden and then give them the same. <laughs> he gives them the same four fingered. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Is there treasure? Huh? No. Okay. Well, it's down there. I don't want to go on. down there until you tell me where it's down and there. And then uh, he, does, he, he does like what Ma did earlier. He's, uh, he just turns around and goes, Come on. And he like immediately turns back around and then walks towards uh, Catherine, Angela. That's close. Glad you wrote it down. Uh, all right. Let's go follow your brother. And in Ma, you guys have the same experience that you had uh, before as well. And you um, find yourself peeking into an, an accountant's office. Um, again, off to the right is the front window, which are the big, you know, small, uh, small town Main Street uh, front windows. And you can see out into the street and there's cars going by, which is pretty mind blowing. You're in a fairly small office. There's ringing phones. There's a, a sound of typing that mm-hmm. you could hear. And uh, there are cubicles dividing up the office. There's about a half dozen little uh, these little cubicle boxes that you can see. You see uh, Angela Watkins' door with her name on it and the glass window. She's wearing a white blouse and a gray skirt. She's got long blonde hair. She is talking on her cell phone, and uh, her back is to you. Boot has moved away from the door towards Angela. Uh, and so he is in between you and her in her office. Hey, she said, come on in, kids. So come on in. Who is uh, this? Who is this lady? Angela. Why is she not armed? I don't know. Maybe she's magic or something. Uh, she could just be a common folk. Let, let, let's have a seat. Yeah, let's talk to her. Let's. I guess we all go, or I, I go in and I'll sit down with Boot. Yeah. Is she going to give us something? I don't know. I said, I said... I said, hey, you. And she looked over at me and she waved me over. So just come come on, say hey. 
Seems friendly enough. Go knock on her office door. Yeah, she 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 um. You see her her kind of nodding, and and then she and you hear her through the door go. Yeah, no, look, I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta go. And and she, come in. Well, as soon as in. you open the door, she starts to raise her voice and say, "You tell Terrence. Now I don't even care. I don't even care what you're here for. You tell him." that I gave him the numbers, those are all the numbers I have, and I cannot give him any more numbers until he lets me know what his projected um, what his projected food income is going to be from his new project. We are at maximum capacity. The inventory, it is empty because of Project I, and we, I, this, this food, these resources... They've got to. They've got to come from somewhere, right? And unless he can bring more in, I can't just keep finding it. I've ordered all the chicken that looks reasonable for an accounting firm to order. Right. Um. I. I we. We will tell him. Um. But you. You have to excuse me. I don't remember where Terrence sits. Uh. Could you refresh my memory? Her eyes. Um get wide when you say I can't remember where Terrence sits um, and she said <clears throat> I'm sorry I should have asked what I can do for you what can I do for you and yeah. she, she moves over and sits down in her chair behind her desk don't move anymore inside check <laughs> Inside check. All right, roll me, roll me an inside check, Enid. <laughs> oh, thank God I ain't got nothing negative in it. Uh, fifteen. No, sixteen. <laughs> you saw a immediate change in her disposition when you said, "I don't know where Terrence sits," and she looks like someone who has just realized that she made a mistake. Um, and her movement to sit down by her desk uh, looked very stiff and not very natural. But she's, um, but yeah, she has, um, she has moved and and continued to sit down. All right, I'm gonna change my demeanor too, cause I'm a woman and I can read other women. And I'm gonna get my axe out and I'm just gonna go. Tick! on her desk and I'm like tell me where Terrence sits ma'am when uh, when you do that oh shit the desk in front of you explodes <gasps> and you are blasted backwards with a natural 20 <laughs> kick, kick from a shotgun mounted under her desk the axe was too much it pushed her over the edge, and boom. And with that, we are going to break for now. You bastard. <laughs> it's okay. I'm still good. I'm going to freak her out when I'm just be like, now, ma'am. <laughs> Let me Can ask you again. Can you answer the question, please? <laughs> I don't mean to be rude, but that was not nice. Wait, are we done for the night? That's it. Ah! And that's going to be it for tonight's episode. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to our show. We're having a lot of fun, and we really enjoy uh, that you guys enjoy it. So keep listening. If you're having a good time, share it. Share it with somebody you think that might enjoy it. Uh, maybe it's your nerdy nephew who likes Dungeons and Dragons. Maybe it's just someone that uh, watched Lord of the Rings one time and you think we're funny and they, they might have a good time. Um, as we had mentioned at the beginning of the episode, this episode was dedicated to a good friend of ours, Kyle T. Hamilton, who unfortunately passed uh, passed away a year ago today. Uh, he was he was a, a great human being. He was a good friend. And he had a whole lot of love that he gave and shared with this world. And there's no doubt in my mind, uh, if he was still with us today, that he would have been helping us on this project. And, and for that, I'm extremely grateful. And I'm extremely grateful for all the time that we had together. So uh, as we finish the episode today, 
this track that you're listening to is one of the last projects that he worked on with another friend of ours. Um, so please enjoy a weekend thing produced by Kyle T. Hamilton. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> 